Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We are in this series about the lies of the enemy, and um, three weeks ago, if you haven't caught up, I'd encourage you to do that uh, on YouTube. You can catch these messages, but uh, we talked about the lie that you don't need anybody. Uh, It's the biggest lie, I think, of the last 24 months that our world has walked through, that you can be alone, that you don't need anybody, that you're, you're good all by yourself. I'm not good all by myself. Amen, everybody? Nobody needs to stand in the darkest season of their life alone. Nobody's meant to stay in a hospital waiting room alone. Nobody's meant to stand at an open grave alone. And you can't do it by yourself. Say amen to that. You can get saved all by yourself, but it's, it's really hard to stay that way all by yourself. You need somebody in your life. And then the second week, we looked at the lie that uh, the enemy tells us that uh, I can fix you. Oh, yeah, I can fix them. Uh, I, 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 know, I know this probably isn't a good idea, but, I mean, I can, I can fix that. I can work on them. Listen, uh, uh, we, we said three weeks ago, we said two weeks ago, uh, you can't uh, fix anybody. You can only fix you and let God fix them. Say amen to that. Uh, I'm not waiting to put. Are you there? Say amen to that. All right, good. I just want to make sure you're awake. Uh, I can't pull you up to where I want you to be. I just, I got to take you right where you are. I'm not going to marry or date or get into business with potential. I'm going to marry or date or get into business with a pattern. That's good preaching that I would write down if I were you. I wouldn't look at their potential. Oh, look at all the potential. Oh, he, you know, right now he doesn't have a job, but he's looking. (laughs) Come back when you get a job. For a year, a whole year, keep the same job for a whole year. Right now he lives in his mama's basement, but we've been looking at apartments. No, (laughs) no, no, he's going to live in it. You're going to live in his mama's basement with him. You better, you better be careful and don't, you don't look at potential. You look at patterns. And then last week, uh, the lie that we looked at said that it won't hurt anybody. We looked at sexual immorality and purity and holiness. It's still right to live right. Say amen to that. Is that okay? It's still right to live the right way. And God puts his blessing on lives that are surrendered to him. Let me give you the final lie of the enemy today. And honestly, I like that baby preaching with me. Uh, honestly, the thank you. <laughs> My God. Uh, it's going to get better than that, honey. Hold on. Um, the, uh, I, I preached this whole series to kind of get you to this point, honestly. I knew I was preaching this to you four weeks ago when I set you up. Can I let you in on a little secret? Can I show you behind, behind, behind the curtain a little bit? I set you all up every week because I know where I'm going. And you all don't know where I'm going, but I know where I'm going. And so I set you up every week, and I wanted to get you to this message in this series because I really think this is the lie that I live the most. I think this is the lie that I tell the most. I think this is the lie that I hear the most. I think this is the lie that you'll believe the most from the enemy. Write it down like this. The lie of the enemy is that there is no hope. The enemy will tell you there just is no hope. It's the greatest lie. If you're taking notes today, write it in your notes. If you're not taking notes, write it in your notes anyway. Everybody should take notes in church. Spiritual people take notes. Sinners do not. Look down the aisle and you can figure out where everybody's at. <laughs> that you'll, you'll believe the lie of the enemy that, you know what, I've, we've just done too much. This is, I hear it so many times in my office when people come and sit down with Brandy and I and they'll say, Pastor, I just think we've gone too far. I, just, I think I've done too much. I think we're past the point of no return. I think, 
I, th- I don't think we can get uh, into any more. I don't think this is going to work. I think I've said too many hurtful things. I think, I think there's too much water under the bridge. You may say it a lot of different ways. I think I've made too many mistakes. I, 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 we, we've lost what we used to have. You know, we had this fire and we had this passion or, or I had this calling in my life or I had this, you know, and I just, I just feel like I've lost it and I don't feel like I, I have what I need anymore. And, and I just think there's no hope. I think I'm unredeemable. I, I don't think this can work again. Look at me in the eyes. And if you don't hear anything else, I tell you, I want you to hear this loud and clear. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. I said, as long as you're breathing, there's hope. There's hope. As long as they're breathing, there's hope. Well, Pastor, you don't know what my kid's involved in. I don't care what your kid's involved in. As long as they're alive, there's hope. As long as God's still on the throne, there's hope. As long as you're here, there's hope. Well, Pastor, maybe we've done too much. Maybe I've got somebody came to me one time, Matt, and said, maybe I've committed sin that God can't forgive. Look at me. There is no such thing. You have If you can acknowledge you're a sinner and you can come to church, you hadn't done too much. God still has hope for you. It's a lie that says there's no hope. Listen to me. As long as you're alive, there's hope. Say amen to that. You need to, you need to square your shoulders back a little bit in that because you'll tell yourself this, this marriage isn't going to work. This relationship isn't going to work. This business isn't going to work. This, this thing is I can't. No, you say, well, pastor, we're already divorced. It's already been tough. Okay, that doesn't mean that your whole future is destroyed. Now there's still hope for you again. There's still grace for you again. There's still a life for you. Pat, well, pastor, I've missed my opportunity. No, you haven't missed your opportunity. Let me tell you the biggest lie that I hear in Christianity today is that you have a limited window of opportunity with God. I, if I don't, you know, Pastor, what if I miss the will of God? Miss the will of God. Well, God, the Bible said the earth, it, it, the, the heavens is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Tell me where you're going to go that you miss it. I don't care where you go, God's already there. I don't care which way you, you may make a mistake and have to turn around and fix some stuff, but that doesn't mean God can't redeem you. That doesn't mean God can't help you. That doesn't mean you're without hope. That just means I made a mistake. I can make a course correction, but there's always hope. Always hope in your life. I want, I want you to feel that faith rising with God. There's always hope. You may feel emotionally disoriented, but there's hope. You may feel like it's never going to be normal again, but there's hope. You may feel uncertainty, but there's hope. Oftentimes, I equate, because I'm a control freak. Where's all my control freaks at? Let me see you. Hands up. Some of you raise somebody else's hand. That's how controlling you are. You're like, uh, <laughs> uh, Most of the time, I equate hopelessness with my lack of control. I say, well, I don't understand this, so it must not be understandable. Listen to me. Just because you can't figure it out doesn't mean God can't figure it out. Just because you can't have an answer to it doesn't mean God doesn't have an answer to it. Just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean God doesn't know what to do. With God, there's always hope. Shout amen to that. It may be tents in your house. You may be sleeping in separate bedrooms. You may have economic uncertainty. You may be financially stressed. You may be anxious or fearful or alone or lonely. You may have all of those emotions today. And I'm validating every emotion you feel is right. Everything that you experience, I would never negate that. But just because you experience it and feel it doesn't mean it's facts. There's a lot of stuff I feel that isn't factual. And I may feel like there's no hope, but the facts... 
fact is, as long as I'm here, there's still hope in my life. Say yes to that. There's still hope for me. There's still hope for my marriage. There's still hope in our life. You're never without hope as long as you're alive. Your child is never without hope. Your lost loved one is never without hope. Your, your addicted spouse is never without hope. I don't care how bad it's gotten. I don't care how far they've gone. It's never without hope. God can do anything. Shout a big amen to that. We live in a world that wants you to buy into hopelessness. Can I let you in on a little secret about what sells? We used to preach it like this, that sex sells. Now, sex does sell. But let me tell you, over the last two years, what I figured out, fear sells just as much as sex does. Fear sells. Fear keeps you coming back and going, oh gosh, what's going to happen next? Oh my gosh, what's, what, what's going to happen next? Oh gosh, what are we going to do about this? Oh, And if I can get you, there's an addiction to fear. There's an addiction to worry. There's an addiction to anxiety. I've just decided not to participate. I've just decided I don't care what happens. God's still on the throne. I don't care who invades who. Jesus is still Lord. I don't care what goes down or what virus does what. God is still available and able and there's still hope in my life shout amen to that don't buy into that fear and let, here's what the psalmist said here's what Psalm 65 and 5 says you faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds I love that well sometimes pastor sometimes God hasn't answered me no 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 just because you got no for an answer doesn't mean he didn't answer Sometimes I say, well, God, prayer doesn't work. Oh, no, it works. You just didn't get the answer you liked. But David said, you faithfully answer. Every prayer I've ever prayed, God, you've God, am I, usually our prayers go something like this. God, let it work out. What you mean is, God, I'm going to do this anyway. I'd really like to know you're on board. <laughs> that ain't praying. Praying is, God, should I do this? And if God says no, then don't. Because he's faithful to answer every prayer with awesome deeds. And you, underline this in your Bible, write this on your mirror, put it on your dashboard. You are the hope of everyone on earth. Come on, that ought to encourage you. Raquel, God is the hope of everyone on earth. God, Jeff, God is the hope of everyone on earth. God, you don't know how bad this gotten. It doesn't matter. God's their hope. You don't know how lost they are. It doesn't matter. God's their hope. You don't know how far we've gone. It doesn't matter. God is their hope. God is the hope of every person on the earth. Well, I, I, I appreciate faith, but I'm going to trust in science. Listen, you ought to trust science. You ought to go to the doctor. You ought to take your medicine but my hope is not in that my hope is in God you ought to do everything they tell you to do go to counseling read the books do everything that you can to fix your marriage but my hope's not in my counselor my hope is in God you ought to do everything you can to keep that baby off of drugs send them to rehab do all you can try your best but my hope's not in rehab my hope is in God is the hope of every person on the earth I think I'm the only one that feels this, Jared, and I'm going to preach it like it's just for me. God is the hope of every person on the earth. And then I love what David said. Listen to this. I love how David goes. But I know you, and you're going to disqualify you from being every person on the earth. <laughs> Isn't this funny that David said, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, every person except me. Every person except her. 
Every person except this situation. Every marriage except ours. Every relationship except mine. And I love how David, I love the imagery. You can tell David's a poet the way that he writes the end of Psalm 65 and 5. He said, you're the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. Let me give you a word of encouragement. Look into my eyes, especially parents. If you're praying for a lost loved one, a lost child, a lost spouse, somebody who's broken today, somebody who's battling addiction today. I felt this all day long to prophesy to you. It's okay that they've sailed on distant seas. It's okay that you're not really sure how they got, how far they've gotten. God is still the hope of every person on the earth. Even those who feel like I've sailed too far away. Even those on distant seas. It's impossible to outrun hope as long as you give everything you've got to God. Say amen to that. Let me give an Old Testament story about the hope that we have in impossible, hopeless situations. So 2 Kings, flip to 2 Kings in your Bible. Put your finger there and I'll tell you the story. We're in the divided kingdom time of history. There are two kingdoms in Judea. There is the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. They have two different kings. They have one prophet. This particular time, there's only one prophet in all of Israel. Y'all would hate that if you liked a church hop because there's only one church to go to. And if you don't like his church, you don't get to go to church nowhere. <laughs> Anyways, so there's one prophet in all of Israel. And Elijah had been this prophet during the divided kingdom. But Elijah gets taken to heaven on a chariot of fire. Come on, somebody. Y'all thought that song just, swing low. So, <laughs> oh, y'all not going to sing with me? Sweet chariot. Why do we say ah like that? Focus. Elijah's taken to, uh, Elijah's taken to heaven on a chariot of fire. And, uh, and Elisha is there. And Elisha gets a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And that literally means in every area of his life, it's double. Let me pause here and tell you. God has put people in your life that if you'll submit to mentorship and submit to leadership, there's double anointing that can happen to your life if you'll learn how to submit to the leaders God's put in your life. That you don't have to have all the answers. I just have to know the person with the answers. And if I stick close to him, when he goes to Elisha said, I'm going to stick close to you so when God takes you away, you throw that coat on me and I'll get double of what you've got. That's exactly what happened. Elisha now has a double portion. He does double the miracles Elijah does. Elisha is the prophet in Israel. And Elisha has a school of the prophets. I love this, a company of the prophets. So there are other prophets that he's training, prophets in training. And uh, I was going to call it uh, pit, but that's not good. So anyway, he has these, the company of the prophets. And, and, and this story takes place in this sort of idea that Elisha is this, he's the senior pastor, he's a senior prophet of all of Israel. 2 Kings 4 and verse 1. The wife of a man from a company of the prophets, so her husband worked for Elisha, cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. You knew my husband. You, I mean, Elisha knew everybody in the company of the prophets. I'm sure he knew that this was a widow now. But now, she tells him more to the story. Now, his creditor, he died. I'm a single mom. And his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? I love this. Look in my eyes. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever looked at some spiritual advice and thought, that's dumb. What are you talking about? 
You ever wanted to punch a preacher? Not me. I'm talking about other ones. This is a punch a preacher moment. Elisha. Hey, my husband's dead and they're about to take my boys and make them slaves. What do you mean? How can I help you? I need money. That's what I need. That's how, I can, that's how you can help me. If I was her, that's what I would have said. But I'm not her. So she's spiritual. He says, how can I help you? And then underline this in your Bible. He says, tell me, what do you have in your house? She's terrified. She's scared. She's overwhelmed. You may be in the same situation today, feeling like, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how bad this is going to get. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I just buried my husband. And listen, it's, it's going from bad to worse. I just buried my husband, and now it looks like they're going to come take my boys away, and they're going to make them slaves, and I don't know what to do, and I am overwhelmed, and you're asking me what you can do to help me. Write this in your notes. If the size of the need seems too big for you, it's just the right size for God. If the size of your need seems too big for you, it's just the right size for God. If you feel overwhelmed today, I don't know what we're going to do. You're in the right place. If you feel like there's no hope, you're in the right place. If you feel like I don't have what it takes, you're in the right place. If you feel like I don't know how this is going to work out, you're in the right place. If you feel like I've tried this and it didn't work, you're in the right place. If you've done all that you know how to do, you're in the right place. If you have a need that seems too big for you... I want you to know you are in the right place for the God of more than enough to do everything you need in your life. Shout amen to that. It's just that God specializes in those kind of scenarios. And then Elisha says, tell me what you have in your house. Hang on just a second, Elisha. You're, you're struggling today. Sometimes preachers have off days, you know. Elisha, the first thing you say is, how, how can I help you? I need money. And then you want to know what I've got. I'm coming to you asking what you got to help me. More times than not in my life, I'm asking God and God is asking me. You didn't catch that. I'm going to tell you again. More times than not in my life, I'm going to God complaining. God, look at all this stuff. Look at what's wrong. Look at what I don't. Look at what's. Look at this problem. Look at how bad this is. Look at this situation. Look at my stress level. Look at our finances. Look at my marriage. Look at this situation. Look at my children. Look at our. God, look at all this stuff. And God goes, okay, tell me what you've got. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, there's 5,000 men plus women and children, probably 15,000 or more people, and they're hungry, and we don't know what to do, and you're the master, and we've seen you raise dead people, and we've seen you open blind eyes. Why don't you do something to feed all these people? And the next thing Jesus says is, okay, what y'all got? It's always the way of God to ask you what you have. Ask yourself, write this down. What do I have that God could use? What do I have that God could use? What gifts do I have? What resources do I have? What calling do I have? What passion do I have? What people around me do I have? What church family do I have? What church? What small group do I have? What relationship do I have? What do I have that God could use? What do I have in my life? You may have to participate more times than not. You've got to participate in your own miracle. You got to show up with something in your hands and say, God, what do I have? And be careful what you pray for because God may ask you to be the answer to your own prayer. 
boys, go get me a lo- go get me the, the fish and loaves you have over there. Wait, God, Jesus, we came to you to do the multi- I'll do the multiplying and feed the five thousand, but you've got a part to play. The lepers came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, we uh, uh, we want we want to be made whole. He 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 touches all the lepers. They get uh, healed, but he said, I want you to go show yourself to the priest. Why do I have to do that? Because you've got a part to play in the miracle. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. There's something about the walking. There's something about the bringing. There's something about the looking around at what I do have. God, what do I have in my house that you could use? Say amen to that. What do I have left? Second Kings 4 and 1, or, uh, 4 and 2 says, your servant, here's what she answers, your servant has nothing there at all except. I love this because I pray this way all the time, man. God, it's terrible. Everybody's an idiot. Not y'all. First, first service full of idiots. Not y'all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God, nobody wants to pray. Nobody's, I got nothing at all. Well, except for this one thing I do got. Okay, okay. All right, I do have this, but this is all I got. I'll write this down. I didn't put it on, on, the, on the screen, but you need to write this down. A lot of times I exaggerate my lack and I underestimate my resource. I, I lie to God about what I, God, I got nothing. Well, I do have that one thing. Oh, I do have that small group I just don't attend, but I signed up for. Oh, I do have that dream team of hundreds of people who could pray for me. and I, oh, I do got that. I do have that church family with hundreds of people in it who could stand with me. Oh, I do got that. I do got prayer. I hadn't tried to pray yet. Maybe I could do that. I, oh, I still do have that. Most of the times in my life, I tell God, nobody cares. Well, I, I mean, somebody tried to call me and, and check on me, but I didn't answer because I just can't deal with people right now. Well, you can't say that nobody cares when you don't answer the phone. You can't say nobody loves you at this church when you run out during the last song. You, <laughs> I got you on that one. See, I snuck up on you on that one. Hit you with the old left hook. You can't say, God, I got something left. I do have something. I he said, what do you have? We're going to go broke. God, we don't have any money. But look at this deal on Amazon. I'll take four. God, I got nothing. Except, except I do have this little small thing of oil. I do have this small thing of oil. Somebody may have died back there. I do have this small thing of oil. So listen, verse 3. i got to hurry. Y'all getting me distracted. (laughs) Verse 3. So Elisha said, go around. Ask all your neighbors for empty jars. By the way, this is the lie of of week number one, that you can do it by yourself. You You can't get all that God wants for you by yourself. So, so he says, go, go ask your neighbors, go knock doors and say, I need empty jars. And don't ask for just a few. And then when you get them, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pull oil into the jars as each is filled, put it to the side. How many times in my life have I, have I brought God a little bit to fill and then complained when I ran out of the supply? Uh, the, the prophet said, when you, go get, when you go get vessels, don't get just a few. 
The reason why you need a church family, the reason why nights like tonight when people will join our church for the first time, the reason why joining a team and getting in a small group is so important is because you need people to help you bring jars to Jesus because sometimes I don't have enough for my own supply. I need yours. Oh, God, I feel like preaching this. There, there, there's sometimes in my life, I, I, Ernest, I don't have enough faith. I come to church and my head's down and I'm low and I'm depressed. And I need your faith to help me and lift me up. I, the reason I sit by you is because I know you're going to worship God. And there are days I can't. I'm too low and too depressed and too out. And when your hands go up, it gives me faith. It's an empty jar that I can get from you and bring to Jesus. So Jesus can do what only Jesus can do. Say amen to that. Go, 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 go get it. So verse 5. So she left him. She left Elisha, shut the door behind her, her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she looked at her son and said, bring me another one. He replied, that's all we got. There's no jar left. Some of the most damning words in all of the Bible are these next five words. Then the oil Stopped flowing. God will perform the miracle. He will make the oil last. But he will only feel to the level of your expectation. God will only do what you bring him to do. God will only, God takes responsibility for the life that is wholly given to him. But if you hold back, if you don't bring enough, if you don't have a level of expectancy that God can, then you can't blame God for not filling. God filled everything that they brought him. The woman was able to pour oil. Every jar that they brought her was filled. But every jar they didn't bring didn't get filled. Listen to me. And more times than not in my life, I'm complaining about what God hasn't done. And it's because I didn't bring everything that God wanted me to bring. Write this down. God will always fill you to the level of your expectation. God will always fill you to the level of your expectation. That's why when I come to church, I got a pep in my step. That's why I come with a smile on my face. That's why I think every Sunday matters. That's why I think any Sunday God could do a miracle. I come here full of expectancy, believing God, trusting God, and I want God to fill. I don't ever want God to have more to give and I don't have more to receive. I don't ever want God to go, is that it? <laughs> is that all? Is that all you brought to? No, no, no. Every time I come to church, I want to say, God, I need more. Every, every relationship, I need more. I need more wisdom. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better father. I need to be a better leader. I need more. I haven't arrived. All those good Christians that you know about, that they've arrived, and they don't need church, and they don't need God, and they don't need His Word, and they don't need prayer, and they don't need groups, I, g- g- good for them. That's not me. I still got places in my life where I say, God, fill me up right here. God, I need some more in this area. God, I still need something over here. God, I don't want you to ever have more supply than I brought you vessels to fill. Say amen to that. I got to hurry. Y'all are preaching too long. So she went to the man. She, she went and told the man of God. Hey, we ran out. Uh, the oil filled up every. I had this little bit of oil. This little jar. And it filled up all the vessels in my house. And he said, go. Sell the oil. And pay your debts. Listen to this. This is a principle I gotta get, I gotta give you. Go pay your debts, and you and your son can live on what's left. Look at me. 
God doesn't want to just give you hope for this crisis. God wants to give you enough hope that you have hope left over for the next one. It's not enough for me to just come to God and go, well, I just, I got through this, but here we are again. No, no, no. No, God said, I want you, I, you're going to pay this debt, but I want you to have enough oil in your house that the next time depression creeps up and rears his ugly head, you go, oh, no, no, no. No, I've got some oil. <laughs> no, God, God delivered me before and God can do it again. Let me give you two principles how you can walk this out in your life and then I'll pray for you number one you got to look at what's left not what's lost it's, it's almost always my demeanor to focus on what's lost God look at, look at everything I, I've lost my husband uh, I may lose my sons Sometimes you got to focus on what you do have instead of what you don't have. Look at what you have left, not what you lost. Well, Pastor, our, our marriage is not what it used to be. Yeah, but it's something. Look at what you got left. Build on the peace you do have. I don't have much. It's okay. You put it in Jesus' hands, He'll multiply everything you've got. Look at the joy you do have. Look at the direction you do have. This is a word for somebody in the room. You're, you're, you're struggling with what to do next. I, I feel so confused and there's so many options in front of me. Listen to me. Look, Go with the clarity you do have. Well, I got a job here and it's secure. Fine. Go with that clarity. Go. I do have something. I'm not going to look at what I don't have. I'm going to focus on what I do. And it'll lower your anxiety level. You need this word. The antidote to anxiety is gratitude. The antidote to anxiety is not faith. I know we said for the last two years, faith, not fear. Not, not same thing. If you don't want fear and anxiety, the antidote is gratitude. Look at me. You watch, you, you watch the news. I don't care which one you pick. MSNBC, Fox News, Newsmax, CNN, doesn't matter. Fear is what sells. And your anxiety level can start to raise when you see what's happening and invasion and war and all this rumors of wars and all. And listen, Jesus is coming back. I'm not making any excuses for any of that. Jesus is coming back, everybody. We got work to do, by the way, before Jesus comes back. But when I look at that and my anxiety starts to raise, I don't, I don't, start, I, I don't need to counter that with more faith. I counter it with more gratitude. God, I'm anxious about what's going to happen, but I'm thankful of what I do have. God, I don't know how this is going to all work out. Here's that anxiety level raising. But God, you've worked it out before, and you're going to do it again. God, I don't know what this doctor's report means. God, this seems like it's too much, but you've answered. God, in, in, my, in, in our marriage, I don't know if we can get past this, but God, we did it before. And my gratitude begins to work against my anxiety. Look at what you got left, not what you lost. Here's the second thing, and I'll pray. You need to see what God could do through you. You need to see what God wants to do through you. Here's what I know in hopeless situations. Here's what I do. I usually just get real still and do nothing. I usually get so hopeless that I'm paralyzed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
scared to make the wrong move, scared to do the wrong thing. I don't know what to do now, so I just don't do anything. I'm embarrassed about the situation I'm in. I'm confused about direction to take. I don't know how to make the sense of this, so I just I shut down and do nothing and don't. No, no, no. This is the time in a hopeless situation that you go, you knock on the door of the man of God. You knock on the door of Elisha. Knock on the door of a neighbor and say, hey, I don't know what we're going to do, but i got to do something before they take my boys. I can't give up hope. I know I lost my husband, but I can't lose my kids too. I, I, I can't give up hope in this situation. I just can't, I just can't not go. I, I've just decided to raise my level of expectation to God. I've just decided, listen, if you're in church today and feel hopeless and feel like I've got no way out and I don't have enough and I don't know what's going to happen, don't, 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 sit, don't cower back and just die with your little bit of oil. Just look at what you have left and say, okay, God, this is what I got. It's been, it's been hell. This, this, this relationship's been hard. This job's been harder than I thought it was going to be. This business has not gone the way that I thought it was going to go as fast as I thought it was going to go. Most of the frustration in my life happens between my expectation and my reality. What I thought would happen and what did happen. But God, here's what I got left. Let me talk to business owners. Let me talk to, let me, let me talk to small business owners and leaders and managers and people with a dream in your heart. They're people who own plumbing companies and they're district managers in the room and they're electricians and business. Listen to me, business owner. It, it, it may not have gone the way you thought it would, but all you need is a little bit of dream and bring it to God. Just a little bit left. I know it's dim. I know you don't know how this is going to work. Bring that little bit to God. See what God could do through you. Here's what I do know. I do know it's the lie of the enemy that'll tap you on the shoulder. Maybe he is today. Saying, this isn't going to work. Oh, I've heard preaching like that. You'll disqualify yourself. Oh, I've heard people say stuff like this, but nah. This is hopeless. Listen to me. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. There's hope for your children. There's hope for your relationships. There's hope for your joy again. There's hope for peace again. There's hope to sleep again. There's hope for rest. There's hope for your job. There's hope to repair a relationship with a broken relationship with a parent. I hadn't spoke to him in years. You can fix that. There's hope again. I don't know. This seems like too much. Nothing's working. Just take what you have left and see what God could do through you. We built our whole church on this idea. That God can do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. But He uses people. He uses us. Brett, me and you. Average guys like us. You're a little bit above average. but I'm pretty average. Not average height, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. God wants to rescue your hopeless situation. I want you to hold your head up high. The enemy will tell you, why, why keep going to church? It's not worked. Why keep praying about this? He hasn't answered yet. Why, why keep believing for this? It's, it's not working out yet. Yeah, but I'm still here. And there's still hope.
bow your heads and close your eyes with your notes closed and your Bibles closed. I just want to know, is this message for anybody in the room? Would you be brave enough with nobody looking around? Say, man, I've been dealing in this hopeless situation for a while. I've been feeling like I don't know what to do and I, I really don't have any direction. And honestly, I'm getting to the point of hopelessness. If that's you, would you just be brave enough to raise your hand? I see you. I see you. I see your hands up all over the building. God bless you. I see you in the middle. Thank you. I see you in the very back. Thank you. God bless you. I see you on the right. God bless you. I see couples with their hands raised. I see you. I see you to my left. Thank you. God, I'm, I just, I'm hopeless. Now, if, if you raised your hand, if you didn't, I would ask you to reach out to God in whatever way you know how. It could be a simple whisper. It could be with your hands outstretched and receive this prayer. Jesus, I need you right where I'm at. I feel lost. I feel hopeless. I feel confused. I feel like there's no way out. I need hope today. So God, I'm bringing you what I got left. Come on, tell him. God, I'm bringing you the little fragment I've got of this joy. I'm bringing you the fragment of my marriage. I'm bringing you the fragment of our peace. I'm bringing you the fragment of, of my decision making. Maybe you feel lost. In, I keep going back to that. I, this is all the clarity I have, but everything else is foggy, God. I don't know what else to do. But I give it to you. I repent for all that stuff I said about nothing. I do have something. So I give it to God. Come on, do that. God, I give you my whole life today. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, now's the time to do that. I give you my whole life. If you've never prayed that prayer and given your life to Jesus, or you just need to rededicate your life to God today, this is the perfect time to do it. I never close the service without giving you a chance. Everybody, you pray it together. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I need hope again. So save me. Cleanse me. Accept me. Give me grace. Give me hope again. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.